Hello and welcome to episode 37 of Art Supply Posse, a podcast about art supplies and the people that use them. My name is Heather Rivard and I am joined by my lovely co-host, Kathy Campbell. How are you doing, Kathy? Not too bad. It's very wet here today, but that's okay. Because, of course, we got to talk about weather. Yeah. Let's just get the weather out <laughs> of the way. <laughs> uh, we're both out, outside of the, the uh, snow attack zone, which is currently happening. Yes. No, that's true. Our snow attack zone was a couple weeks ago, last week, week before. I don't even know anymore. Uh, now we're just in... Uh, Noah time flooding. Yeah, back to the good old um, Northwestern expectations. Pretty much. Although we did have really nice sunshine on Sunday. Like, it was 63, and it was, uh it was amazing. It was yeah. such a good, good day. It's been doing the sneak attack in the Midwest where you look outside and it's so bright and shiny, and you think it has to be roughly 85 degrees out there look at how bright it is and then it's not (laughs) no uh yeah but hopefully we're cruising toward that being closer to the reality um yep and we jumped jumped time zones i i am very um you didn't make fun of me this week when I corrected myself um, when we were texting, but I'm a little intense about being particular about whether it's Eastern Standard Time or Eastern Daylight Time <laughs> because I just I just got into that habit because internationally it makes a big difference. Like people need to know right. it's a different time zone. Like in in the states, you know, it's like whatever, like Pacific Mountain. You know, we don't have to. We're, we're we most of the United States moves through daylight time, but. When, when we spring ahead, we actually change time zones like for, for the benefit of people that live in sane parts of the world where they don't do that anymore. So I'm like, all right, right. it's time well, for and EDT. Even in the United, even in the United States, um, Arizona and Hawaii don't change. And then I know just recently, like probably within the last 10 years, Indiana no longer doesn't change. If that makes sense. Oh, they, they uh, just so they started doing it. Wow, yeah, Indiana, just like they, in the middle, <laughs> just like nah. well, not only that, but they do it by county. Oh, so Lord. every county got to choose whether or not they changed. It was <laughs> super weird, and I don't know how it is now. Uh, my mother, my mother-in-law was living out there at the time, and so like we had to try and math, and it was it was miserable. Whew. Yeah, I was when we were when when I was coming home today, we were uh, sort of texting and figuring out when we were going to. Well, actually, we weren't texting. I was just looking back at when we had said. And it's amazing how uh, that's that's something with the whole like independent work, blotty, blotty, blah, you know, yeah. uh, my house is my office, all that jazz. Another thing is just learning to live in different time zones. Like I, yes. I don't remember a time when I was sort of rooted in my own time. I feel like five times a day I'm calculating what time it is in California like for maybe that's a lot of office workers uh do that but so many people that I work with or that I'm friends with are all over the place it's it's sort of like constant constant math yeah no it's a thing uh and it's difficult when you are trying to schedule something and you don't know where that person is based out of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if it's in one of those states that's right on the border and where it could be 
uh, Eastern or it could be Central and you're just like, I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, that's yeah. always fun. It's, it's true. So, um, anywho, on the art supply front, uh, looks like you've been you've been uh, continuing to rock your friction highlighters. I have been. It's been so great. So I was cast in an upcoming production of The Importance of Being Earnest in my local theater, and I'm very excited for that. And it was super exciting to be able to whip out my friction highlighters and like highlight my lines and just be all like, woo back to eighth grade finding excuses to highlight <laughs> like oh absolutely where you just like highlight the whole book highlighting was that never was an great. effective way of studying maybe some people it's an essential part of their process but for me being a little dork I was just like god these things are amazing I just want to use them all the time <laughs> yeah no it's it's well, if you're a dork, then I am obviously a dork, too, because that was my same <laughs> I probably, mindset. I <laughs> probably didn't have this phrase at hand when I was in seventh grade um, shopping, but I remember lobbying for the sort of second and ter- third tier uh, school supplies. They could oh, just yeah. be like, it's, it's for my work. Stuff. It's for my work, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, um, was, she was pretty indulgent because I, I, I usually uh, – I usually put them to good use. I got I got good results. They, I probably would have independent of how fancy my school supplies were, but I think it was hard for my mom to be like, this isn't important. It's like, oh, come come now. Do we talk about anything else besides school? This is this is our whole thing. Now is the time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. So you're, you're off the bullet journaling train, though? In a- no, I... I- and this past week, but. I yeah, I have not intentionally not been bujoing, and it's been rough. So I've had a couple days where I have been just like out of the house and doing other stuff, or like just not been at my desk, and it's been so hard because I'm like, well, no wonder I'm not being productive because I haven't been writing any of my shit down. Oh. <laughs> I haven't been writing of my any of my stuff down, and it's like no wonder you are getting too comfortable. <laughs> yes, and so I could tell that it like I definitely have not been as productive, and it's been really frustrating. Um, so I've been trying to do that, and then I have been doing a lot more doodling with it, in addition to getting back on the bandwagon. Just like as long as I have a pen in my hand, maybe I can be productive. Yeah. I I think the most success my most successful application of bullet journaling was not actually for me it was uh for um one of my really close friends and colleagues who um she has this this uh sort of hyper do it now kind of way of organizing she gets a phenomenal amount of work done um but there it's it's not always uh planned to a third bullet indentation you know which is a sort of my right. my preferred way of working and uh, i remember from hearing hearing from the do you know what the gentleman's name is that came up with the system Writer Carol. Yeah, I remember hearing him talk about it and in particular trying to design something that worked with his way of thinking that wasn't too that wasn't too structured, but that gave right. some structure and it has worked so well for her precisely for that reason. She always bails out of the sort of 
18 point plan and for good reason it's just not how she works but she has sort of become so addicted to her little like a5 journal the other day we were at the office and she said i left my journal at work yesterday and i couldn't work i just had to drive home and get it (laughs) i was like that's great you know just just find find just enough structure just enough sort of uh, push to have a, a list of what you're going to get done. Uh, yeah, it's a good scene. I used to do it pretty intensively, but I'm kind of I'm back on the omni omni focus train for the for the yeah. moment, which is working pretty well. So totally. Well, and I use I use a lot of like the digital stuff as well. I have omni focus and Asana with one of my clients and like different clients come through. So what my bullet journal ends up being is more of what am I doing today? So it lets me really concentrate on what I'm I need to be doing so I'm not distracted by everything else in the world that needs to be done. I have heard that from some people, and I get how that would feel insane, Um, but the the idea of using this complex digital system to to capture everything, but then when it comes down to what are you actually going to do today, using it as a daily planner, and I don't know, that makes total sense to me. Uh, I think that that is uh, a, a great way of working. Yeah, it's it's just what works for my brain, and uh, that's the way to do it. You know, whatever you need to do to make yourself productive is what works. Obviously, not sacrificing a human every morning, but after you wake up, but <laughs> yeah, for with, the most part, with, within agreed upon ethical norms, whatever you got to do. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, okay, so this is maybe stretching it a little bit for um, art supplies, but I, I feel like it, it it works. One of the things I have been doing this week is doing an unintentional deep dive into obsessive Lego people on YouTube. <laughs> man, oh man, I I know it's cliche, but the internet is just yeah amazing it's so good it's not just twitter it's so important to remember that the internet is not just twitter like there's still all <laughs> these like nerdy people that got aol in the 90s and just never left they're they're just right that's just oh, man. still yeah. still what they do and um there's this uh documentary called uh a lego brick which is uh, a proper like fully produced uh narrated by i think jason bateman uh yeah and it's like an hour and a half long and the whole thing is up on youtube and so that in combination with all of these awesome lego people and their lego videos has made me want to sell everything i own and buy two hundred thousand pieces of lego or to start a store okay for obsessive people like us, Kathy, there are people that yes. run stores and they just sell Lego bricks and it's their job to just keep these detailed inventories of uh, like thousands of different SKUs of little Lego pieces. <laughs> oh my goodness. That sounds amazing and terrible at the same time. I know. I was like, what's wrong with me that that sounds like non-ironic fun? I was like, I would keep right. that stuff in order like a like a pro. <laughs> Wow, that's that sounds both amazing and terrible. Like, 
it would be fun to like like be a part of it and be like every so often but I don't know how I would do if that was like my full day like if that was everything that I did yeah all the time that's a very good point it would be a soothing thing to do at the end of the day to fill out a couple lego orders and put them all in their nice little boxes um but yeah maybe day in day out it would sort of make my brain melt um yeah for sure I'm such a bad actual fan of things on the internet. I'm I'm mostly uh, like a secondary fan. Like I'm such a fan <laughs> of other people's fandom. Like I, I'm like a fan gawker. I'm like, look at all these people doing this cool stuff. I love how into that they are. <laughs> it makes me feel, that is, <laughs> feel sad that sometimes. That is actually really, that's cool. I like that. <laughs> I'm like an internet cheerleader. I like that. You are an internet cheerleader. Um, Love it. If we ever want to get our Lego on, there's a huge, huge Lego conference in Seattle. So we could, we could, brilliant. You can meet up in the the land of the pine trees and yes, uh, and the moss and the rain. Yeah. That sounds incredible. Yeah. It could be, it could be some, some fun times. But we had a ton of, cool follow-up from from listeners and stuff you guys outdid yourself this week it was one of those times where it's like do we have to talk about anything besides what people emailed (laughs) right because we had so many happy happy people and it was awesome uh so heather do you want to yeah i'll start yeah so um uh listener uh margie wrote in about um last week when i was talking about my imagination of art school being a place with leather upholstery and very um, sort of well put together people making watercolor paintings on hardwood easels and uh, and th- and then sort of filing politely out of the room and I guess uh, her her parents maybe had a similar experience she went to an art college in the 80s and her her dad stopped by at some point um, to uh, to pay the tuition before the semester started and I guess when he got home said to her mom are you sure you want to go there the place is rather dirty and there is a lot of strange looking people wandering around <laughs> <laughs> which I think is a great great description of art school so <laughs> that is so fantastic I love it yeah your dad and I were on the same page I was like whoa this is a lot of dirty t-shirts and a lot of boxes of nails and 15 kinds of glue (laughs) oh my goodness that sounds amazing and terrible at the same time (laughs) yeah we also got um follow-up on um all the strange details of our um our commonwealth friends in in australia yes they were so kind to give us a couple like really good explanations of what exactly pudding is um and so first off like in the context of the magic pudding it is likely a steamed or boiled pudding a heavy stick to your ribs type of dessert served with custard or a sweet sauce and then that just sounds amazing kind of like a flan maybe i think it's more glutinous than that it's still mostly like bread based but yeah texturally kind of in the sense of being dense and yeah 
Uh, along those same lines, I have been uh, watching the Great British Baking Show on Netflix, and it's just as good as everyone talks about, and it's just amazing. And I hope that they do putting. Oh, Here's they do. Oh, the they do. And, okay, and good. It will, okay, it will, you will be left with more questions than answers because. Awesome. Um, so our feedback here is definitely like putting 101 um, that it's, it's often um, Christmas pudding, but it doesn't have to be. They can be, um, they can be uh, savory, not just um, sweet. And usually uh, the ingredients um, include uh, traditionally suet, which is, I think, uh, a kind of lard. It's like an animal fat product. Yeah. Um, but the thing is that puddings, at least as presented on the Great British Bake Off, can be steamed or boiled, which are like more traditional. And then, but they can also be baked, just straight up baked. So huh. if anybody's interested in follow up, putting extra credit, like, Please tell right. me, like, for the baked pudding, like, what then makes it a pudding? Because the boiled and the steamed thing, I'm, it's great. I'm like, okay, a boiled or steamed kind of cake. All right. But when they're baked, I don't know. The British people seem to be dialed in because they're walking around the judges and they're like, that's not a pudding. That's a pudding. That's not a pudding. And to me, right. I feel like I'm colorblind. I'm like, they all look the same. I don't know. <laughs> But reading this listener feedback, I definitely was having great British Bake Off flashbacks because that's basically what I one third of what I did when I was in California. And (laughs) I didn't know what suet was before that. And like, oh, yeah, of course, suet traditionally used in pie crusts. But uh, there are commercial alternatives. Mm -hmm, I know all that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, and then we also got some fantastic feedback about penguins, confirming that, yes, there are penguins in Australia. I'm not crazy, and neither is the internet. Um, and then it was also really cool because I was cleaning up my desk, and I found some really cute uh, little penguin and seal little sticky notes uh, <laughs> that I'm going to be using in some books. Perfect. So it was just They're not little and blue, like the little penguins on the island in Australia, but I think I can still enjoy them. Yeah, more more definitive penguin feedback but also much cuter penguin feedback because we found out that they're called little penguins which is which is the best just perfect yes it just makes them even cuter i think yeah um uh another listener um marcus gave us some some really great uh gouache um thoughts uh and i think was it I think it was in this email where he said that it usually, it, yeah, it gets the stepchild treatment most of the time, which I was like. Which I love. That I made know. it so much sense. <laughs> I, oh, it's so funny though. Like I grew up in a, in a mixed uh, family. Like I had two stepbrothers and a half sister and a full sister. Like there were five of us. And we had this sort of rigorous egalitarian upbringing. My parents were <laughs> so good about it being like, listen, there's one category of people in this house. It's the people. Like, repeat, like, there's no, there's no class system right. here. Like, the, everybody, <laughs> everybody's, is everybody's. Like, everybody's got rules. Everybody is loved. Like, none of that nonsense. So, I totally get that the whole stepchild treatment is, like, out there in the culture. But <laughs> I, I always... It was never you. Yeah, I always have a little bit of reaction. Like, ah, n- ah, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh. 
<laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. Gouache is usually like, and watercolor, and oh yeah, gouache is kind of like that too. Um, but in particular, you brought up this um, gouache resist technique. Wasn't this cool? Did you read about this? Yeah, that sounded so amazing. Yeah, I guess it's um, it's a it's a technique that takes advantage of. Um, using gouache as a kind of um, masking agent. So you take your paper and then you um, paint with gouache and you leave some spaces open to the raw paper. And then you paint, the, you let it dry, and then you paint the whole thing with India ink. Um, let it sit for a minute and then wash it off. And the India ink um, washes off the, the gouache surface but then um, connects with the paper. So you usually kind of leave these um, like narrower strips of paper where the India ink gets in. And then it, it, it also sort of reacts a little bit with the gouache. So you get this, this sort of um, rich texture, this um, interacting with the, with the gouache and the ink. Um, and um, Mark has brought up the, the similar thing that we are talking about where um, gouache is... Uh, plays better with with others um, yeah. in a nicer way than watercolor because uh, it can hold up to that kind of a treatment. Like if you tried to do something with the, that with watercolor, I think it would just end up kind of muddy. You know, I just yeah, I don't think it would just kind of be much. yeah. Watercolor doesn't hold up to too much cleverness um, in that way. Um, he was also interested in a little bit more information about the difference between different grades of gouache. Uh, I'm going to have to do a little bit more research on that because um, I don't know a ton. I would imagine that it's similar to watercolor where it has to do with yeah. the the quality of the pigment and the amount of pigment, the quality of the additives. Um, but maybe there's some special distinction there in gouache. So, Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it's just it's kind of like watercolor but it would definitely be interesting to find out for sure and then he was also so kind to assist us with the pronunciation of schminka uh, schminka as opposed to schminky which is what we've been yes. saying yeah yes it was so kindly put and helpful and yeah 10 out of 10 so for the pronunciation guy that's that's a like, that's a hard one to do via email without being a a, a bummer but uh yes well executed marcus <laughs> yeah and especially the link with haida and heidi <laughs> like that putting that together especially because i have a friend who uh her name is heidi and but her like tagline is hide amazeballs oh god and so on an episode of uh one of the relay shows uh Mike pronounced it Haida because didn't read the full name <laughs> as and so thought that her name was H-E-I-D-A. And so now I'm just going to say, well, it's obviously the proper uh, not Southern version of Heidi. Yeah, like, apparently not these, are the, these are the strict German pronunciations. So it's like push uh Schmink, uh, Haida, like that's how you pronounce those those endings, and then it can get different in uh, like other German speaking areas. Yeah, uh, when they put it, the I at the end, um, which tends to be the southern, uh, like Switzerland, Bavaria, and Austria. 
Yeah. It also, he pulled like the full, um, what's his name? Who wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People? Uh, yeah. What's his name? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Carnegie. Yeah. Carnegie. Yes, thank the you. whole like use people's name. They love it. And he's like, it's kind of like Heather and Heidi is the German for Heather. And I was like, yay. I was like clapping yay! like an eight year old. Like, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> like, this is a great, great well email. <laughs> done. Well done, Marcus. Two thumbs up from us. <laughs> it makes me feel better because people call me Heidi all the time because I'm uh, a little blonde lady with the name that starts with H. So, it's like uh, I get it. So that's that old like. I'm uh, sorry, your name's cached to the same memory slot, <laughs> like, right? <laughs> and uh, speaking of names, we got a great name selection suggestion from Kathleen as well. Tell us about it. Yeah, Heather. we got cat name follow up from uh, a woman named Kathleen. So um, instant points because that's my little sister's name. So I was like, she seems reputable. I mean, she seems like somebody I can trust. Uh, <laughs> But also she suggested uh, Lucy slash Lucille, which has lots of things going for it. So first of all, like I said, her name's Kathleen, so I already trust her. Second of all, I love people names for pets. It's my favorite category of pet names. And also, <laughs> I just had a conversation with my mom about how flippin' awesome Lucille Ball is. So you can right? have like a secret feminist sucker punch for when somebody asks me why she's named Lucy and I feel like having a long conversation with them. <laughs> be like, I let love me it. talk to you about women who produce their own television shows very early in the history of entertainment. <laughs> right? And kicked serious butt. Yeah. Like she was amazing. And it would kind of yeah. work because my cat is going to be calico with some like blondish reddish hair. Like not a full like crazy ginger cat, but close enough that I could be like, yeah, she's got red hair. Just like Lucille totally. Ball. It's not a big deal. Um, it works. My mom I is listened uh, to, has started listening to uh, Stuff You Missed in History class. Yes. She, I know you're listening, mom. I'm sorry. Uh, like a year ago, zero podcasts. And now my mom like independently brings up podcasts in conversation <laughs> all the time. And like I couldn't be <laughs> prouder amazing. of her. I was like, I've been, it's been a success. Like that whole tripod thing that's uh, been started by some Radiotopia folks. Yeah. It's yeah. real and it is so hard. But when it works, when you make a podcast fan and then you just like let them loose in iTunes and they start finding their own uh, happy places. It's right. And you're just like, no, I did not listen to Knitters Who Knit, <laughs> Yeah, uh, which I'm sure there are knitting podcasts because there's podcasts for everything. Oh, yeah. But yeah, they're in our little subcategory of iTunes. So when I am yes. totally in a relaxed, not um, obsessive kind of way, looking at our stats and things in iTunes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, oh, look, there's the knitting people over there. Oh, hey, I don't knit, but you seem like you're having fun. <laughs> Right? You do you. Yeah. Speaking of knitters, we, Anna used to bring bring the knitting rep to the podcast, and she is <laughs> up to all sorts of uh, awesome, awesome stuff. I don't, I don't know if I've been just, like, paying more attention to what Anna's been up to because of, of like, doing the show with her last year, or if she's just been on a roll, but it just seems like there's something epic and cool 
coming from the well-appointed desk like every time I turn around. And right. uh, most recently, she is developing this um, product um, with her husband, Bob, who runs Skylab Letterpress. They're doing um, ink testing uh, books, like little, I think they're like two by three inch cards, enough for like a big ink swatch and then some information. Um, I guess somebody used to make a product similar, but there haven't been very many around. So um, they they cooked it up. They're going to be $10 each. And I think they're going to be debuting at the Arkansas Pen Show and then should be available on her shop some sometime soon within the next couple of weeks. Yeah, they look incredible. And I'm super excited, not just for the use with uh, like ink testing, but you can totally do it with paint testings or say you get something in your art snacks box that you want to test out. You can like just see how it looks and how it dries on the paper and then be all, oh, look, I have this copy of the history of what this carmine red from such and such looks like. Yeah, that's Boom. exactly what I thought when I when I when I saw it. So most of the samples she has here are of um, fountain pen inks because I think that's kind of the explicit intention. Um, but yeah. I'm I'm looking here. It's two by four, so there's even more space. And what I immediately thought of was doing like little um, mini swatches, so you can like right at the bottom, you could write uh, like Prismacolor colored pencils, and then do small swatches with all the colors that you have. Yeah. So you could look at it and get a sense in its actual swatch form, like what kind of range and colors you have when, when you're trying to pick out supplies to use, but also yeah. having um, an, a visual inventory so you don't have to be like mucking about in your pen cups if you don't want to. You can just flip through it and, and make those decisions from your little inventory card. So, yeah, um, yeah. Plus, the same with so like fun. if you like are collecting Copic markers or something that has you don't get the full set all in one and you like maybe start with two and then you get six this you can list which ones you have so you don't rebuy them yeah. like the app you guys talked about before exactly yeah so lots of cool uses and uh pretty pretty reasonable at ten dollars a pop so i think i'll probably yeah. be um grabbing one as soon as they're available and uh yeah highly yeah. recommended well done anna yeah well done. We love you here at Art Supply Posse. <laughs> and we'll not just uh, participate because we love you, but because it's awesome as well. Yeah. I don't think you have to do, uh, what are they What are they called when you're, um, when you're sponsored and you're like, um, disclosure. You know? <laughs> yes, thank you. I don't think you have to do like friendship-based um, disclosure, but but yeah, if you probably did, not, it was like. But you uh, know what? We're gonna put it out there. Just well, because. we're probably inclined to like whatever Anna does, but that being no, said, true. this this also seems pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so hey, Heather, would you like to learn about some brushes today? Yeah, since we we're we're sort of uh, late for our homework the last couple of weeks, we keep on saying we're gonna do a topic, and we're like, we we talk too long. We'll do it next week. I know, I know. <laughs> so I'm excited. I'm excited because I like I loved exploring especially the history of brushes because you know like oh yeah back in the day especially caveman times they'd use whatever they could they would use their hands and trees and like uh 
palm leaves or whalebone or whatever. But like, how did they get to that next bit? And uh, so I learned that it was often the first paintbrushes that were actually like paintbrushes like we know were made from hogs hair bristles mm-hmm. so the hogs would grow like these really thong long like bristles and be like okay these are perfect and they would just pick them off uh the the pigs uh except the um the types of pigs that were grown in, not grown, raised in Western Europe uh, started growing out of those types of hair. So something with the way that industrialization or like the feeding or something happened. Oh, wow. Made it so that. Like the character of their hair changed. Yeah. yeah. And then also the sable, which is a very popular type of brush, uh, is the sable is a type of animal, kind of like the, a mink. Mm-hmm. And so they would use the tails. And so the only way to get a really big sable brush was after extremely cold winters in Siberia and Mongolia. So, like, that's the only way they could get, like, these huge brushes and so now that was when they like, could uh, actually find hides with like long enough hair. Yeah. With the tails, gotcha. not hides, because they would pretty much just pull it off the tail because it would be the perfect brush shape. Oh, OK. Right. So then in the 1800s is when um, they would collect bristle from wherever they would do it and attach it using the metal ferrules ferrules ferrule i think little metal parts yeah yeah, that connects from the handle to the brush so they're all done by hand and just like let's make them perfect and so they didn't necessarily have to use like these really thick uh pieces of hair from the sable because they could put more of them together too oh wow so originally it was this pretty uh kind of crude process where they would harvest all of this hair all at once from from a single animal Um, and and then it was like a secondary step when they could harvest that hair and then also have uh, like a construction like a secondary construction process with a ferrule and a handle exactly yeah yeah just kind of cool and so when uh, the metal ferrules came about in the industrial age, that made a huge difference because they were then able to make specific brushes for the specific type that they wanted. Um, so like uh, one of the articles I read talked about how flat brushes were the favorites of the Impressionists mm-hmm. because of how it was able to pick up and put the paint down. Um, and then like Jackson Pollock needed brushes that were long enough for him to stand so like he would get these special brushes that were done um and so oh gosh with like a four foot handle on them yes exactly so he didn't have to like bend down and do it he could just like stand and do 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 yeah one of um one of my favorite um pieces of art that i have not hanging right now, but has historically hung in my apartment is a um, a portrait that I did in um, one of our drawing classes. We had to pair up and 
we had these big pieces of paper and we did these ink drawings and we we made them with uh, these dowels. So we stood up and we paint we we drew on the floor with dowel and India ink, and it was one of those exercises that's designed to sort of get you out of the habit of being too precious with your lines to to, to right. just pick out shapes. And I was um, partnered with this um, guy named Michael who who ended up later on being um, a pretty good friend of mine. He was in the printmaking class that I talked about when we did printmaking and we um, swapped our portraits. So I have this drawing of me like when I was a sophomore in college and I have no hair like it was when I had cut off <laughs> all my hair and it's just kind of cool because Michael and I didn't know each other very well we actually didn't we didn't really like each other very much I think because we were kind of <laughs> kind of like different personalities but then we ended up um later being in this printmaking class and still very different personalities but under this sort of superheating force of this very intense experience we ended up being really good friends <laughs> <laughs> so I have all of our our prints that we made and then that portrait and it's just a little kind of uh, a little mini gallery of my arts education (laughs) that's so cool I love that all that to say I'm with you Jackson Pollock long long (laughs) paintbrushes is where it's at man yeah um and then so I also really liked really getting down into like what the different shapes are for yeah I was really Um, interested to know about that yeah, because like you see them and you're just like, well, this is the brush I'm going to use because of course. <laughs> what kind do you want? Um, uh, me- medium. Mm, brag- yeah, brag- um, <laughs> the blue one. <laughs> and one that's about this big. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so speaking of sizes, they're apparently go as small as 30 over zero um but most of them are like 20 over zero and then they go like zero 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 three zeros two zeros one zero and then like one two three four five etc now this apparently does not mean that it's a standard for their actual dimensions mm-hmm. and different brands that are all maybe it's a triple zero size won't be the same size so they all use the same naming convention but it's not completely consistent across different brands correct kind of like pant sizes correct like it's roughly the same for women but it doesn't yeah it's not exactly it doesn't actually mean anything so if you're looking for like different sizes in you might want to you so if you're looking okay let me try this again so if you have a specific brush size and the company and everything and you want to go bigger or smaller you should probably and like if you're going to order it online or whatnot you should probably stay with the same brand if only so you get these correct uh like sizing yeah that came up when we were talking about fine liners um yes so i think i don't know i i get a little (laughs) upset about the fine liners because they use numbers that are so close to an actual description so like i i think that the microns it'll say like zero five and 
it's not actually like five millimeters, but it feels like right. kind of in that area, um, which always just kind of bums me out because I don't know, it just feels disingenuous or something. But <laughs> right, it doesn't feel like it. It's a real thing. Yeah, but it uh, should be. But those are those are really consistent across lots of different lines. You'll get the, uh, you know, oh one. 05, 07, 08, 1. And that's the range for most fine liners, but they're not going to be exactly the same from one to the other. Right, exactly. It seems like it's very similar to brushes. I like their uh, <laughs> sort of what I have to imagine is them uh, working backwards from this is size zero. And then, oh, we wanted to make oh, brushes we go smaller. smaller. Yeah, you can get brushes <laughs> that seem to be legitimately one single hair mounted onto a metal yes. barrel <laughs> so my brother does a lot of like miniatures paintings like the gaming miniatures because of course we are huge geeks in my family nice um and he has a couple of those brushes that like painting little like D characters yeah tiny yes yes that's it exactly uh it's actually 40k which is a game Okay. But whatever. Uh, Warhammer 40K. Uh, but yeah, he has several brushes that all are basically a single hair at different lengths. Oh, so dear. So he can get different. Yeah. He's hardcore. How many siblings do you that. have? Uh, I have one younger brother who is three years younger than me. And then I have an older half brother and an older half sister that are 10 and 11 years older than me. Coolio. So this is your so little brother? Yeah. Okay. My little brother, who's six foot three and a half. <laughs> He's the one I traveled around uh, Europe with. Yeah. Well, you're no shorty neither. Year. So. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I feel short when I'm around him and my husband. <laughs> it's great. Until unless my mom's around and then I feel tall again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I didn't really... Uh, think that all the way through um one of the things that happened this past couple weeks is i applied for a job in portland on a whim so probably i won't move to portland but we did have a little bit of, a, of a little like geek out and i i have forgotten that you you look my size on the skype window and we didn't meet in person <laughs> <laughs> i probably need to bring like a stepladder to get up to your dinner table <laughs> Oh, it's okay. We're used to shorties in our world. <laughs> to the to the, the normies. <laughs> the, yeah. No, you guys are all just short. Like I don't care what average is when compared to me. It's yeah, true. It's funny because yeah. anytime at one point I think we were I forget where we were, but I was with both my husband and my brother and someone else came into the room or whatever and he was like six seven, six eight. And both my brother and my husband looked at each other and were just like, so this is what it's like to feel short. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> because it doesn't happen very often. Uh, in all fairness, I am uh, looking at you from the other side of the bell curve. So I'm probably yes. uh, not much more normal just uh, moving in the in the other direction. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> well, since we're talking about height and stuff let's talk about the different shapes of the brushes yeah. because some of them the shape will be exactly the same but the length of the bristles will be different how is that for a segue i, hey. I, I like it 
<laughs> so uh, the round brush is the most traditional. It's kind of the what you would get from, you know, the dollar store or whatever. And it's tapered and kind of has a pointed tip. It's like and the, the one in the emoji. You know, it's like the, yes. the painty brushy brush that you would see. Exactly. It is. If you see this, that's a paintbrush. Right. Like period. Yeah. It's not something you would use for makeup. It's not something you would use for anything else. It's a paintbrush. Right. Um, so it also, another key word is that the round brushes tend to be closely arranged bristles, mm. which means that the paint is going to stay all very close together. So there won't be as much um, like space in between them. Oh, that's a really good point. Like I think uh, a distinctive quality of that brush shape is that it feels like uh, a, a hole, you know, like it feels like a single entity because yes. they're so close as opposed to like a fan brush where it's all splayed and looks like exactly. eye eyelashes or something. Exactly. So, yeah, we'll talk about the fan brush next. Okay, so, so round brush, is. that's like your your standard. Your, your painty paintbrush. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the fan brush is the one, you know, it looks like, oh, a fan whoa crazy <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it also is very thin so it has it doesn't have a lot of rows of bristles mm -hmm. um they tend to be just a couple rows layered on top of each other and then they spread out and they're flat and it's good for blending broad areas of paint all right um then we have the flat brush which are Guess what? It's flat at the top. <laughs> uh, but it's good to know that these are, they're going to look very similar to the bright brush, but mm -hmm. the flat brush has longer hairs. So the bright brush has short, stubby bristles. Okay. Um, both of them are good on like spreading paint quickly. Mm -hmm. Um. But the bright ones, because they're shorter, has more leverage. So it's really good for getting into the weave of canvas. Oh, okay. Um, so you can just get it really into those weaves and get the paint where you want it to go. And both of these are, are straight. Not only are they arranged in a, in a flat shape where they're wider than they are deep, um, but they also have a flat trim at the top. Yes, that's correct. Okay. And then there's probably so another kind like with like a chisel shaped. Yes. Okay. That would be the angle brush. Angle brush. All right. Yeah. So the angle brush and the filbert brush. So let's actually go back to the filbert real quick. So it's a flat brush like the other two, but the end is domed. Mm. So it's not round like the round brush. Gotcha. Like the, so it's still flat, but curved at the end um so this allows good coverage but also the ability to perform some detail work mm -hmm. so i would imagine that if you want to get just one brush this would be a good brush to start with because it can kind of do a lot of the things that you would need to do and i although we started this by talking about how the round brush was kind of the the standard i like the filbert brushes better than round brushes because i find round brushes can be really uh frustrating because they have kind of a floppiness to them because the yes. the bristles are long and there's a lot of movement in them whereas the the filbert is um it just feels like there's more control like you can just kind of 
I just want to make noises, like just little splats. Yes. You know, and it, the paint yep. kind of goes where you tell it to. Exactly. No, I totally agree. Uh, there's more control almost. Right. Um, and so similar to the filbert is the angle, um, which is uh, very similar to the filbert, but instead of a rounded edge or a flat edge like the flat or the bright, it has guess what? An angle. <laughs> so you have a thin point and you have some flat space to work with. Um, so it's good, again, for a lot of the general application. So if if you need something that has a little bit more ability to do detail work, the angle would be a really good one to do. Cool. So round, then fan, then flat, then filbert, then angle and the bright bright don't oh, forget right, bright right. which one was the bright but yes uh it's like the flat one but with shorter bristles gotcha right 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 okay yeah i recognize um, all of those i've seen those all in a store right yeah they're all they're all things and then uh we have the mop brush which looks very similar to if the filbert and the fan had a baby <laughs> nice. um but was not like it's not as wide as the f fan and it's a much bigger brush so it's thick um they're overall just larger um but it looks like um so it has a rounded edge very similar to the filbert um but it does fan out just a, just a oh, little it bit it looks like a makeup uh, brush Yes, yes, that one really does look like a makeup brush. Um, and this is apparently really good for uh, broad, like lots of just getting that paint on there. Right. But also for painting thin glazes over the paint that exists because oh, it's softer. Gotcha. So it doesn't damage the lower layers. And then we have a rigger, which is basically if somebody took a round brush and just like pulled it really long. <laughs> yeah, like taut. Uh, yeah. Yes, because um, it's really long, really thin. It's rounded. Um, and apparently it was used for painting the riggings in pictures of ships. So it's very uh, thin. Yeah, that looks useless. Fine lines. I don't want one of those. Yeah. <laughs> no. Very Definitely specific not. use. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and then there's a couple others, uh, the stippler and deerfoot stippler, which are short and stubby rounds. So I would imagine as if the round and the bright had a baby, um, just like lots of uh, bristles and it's short and stubby and all good like that. Okay, so I just I just had a brainwave some point we're gonna have to do like a challenge episode where we watch bob ross on netflix and try to recreate yes. one of his paintings because that would be yes. so much fun that would be amazing <laughs> oh my gosh i would love it All especially right. if we only use paints that we've received in art snacks boxes <laughs> yeah so it's just a, a weird like a massive combination. bob ross art snacks <laughs> mashup competition yeah i like mashup it. thing That'd be awesome. Um, and then there's also a variety of other types um, that don't really have pictures, but I'm sure you can Google it. But like the dagger, it's an angle with long hairs. Um, there's 
a video going around. I'll see if I can find it and put it in the show notes of this person that's doing um, one stroke painting and they're doing this like gorgeous flower and it like has an ombre effect of like white tips and with a deep pink on the inside and it just is like a single stroke kind of like in cartoons where you could see they would paint like a rainbow with a single stripe right um but yeah it was all super cool nice. um i'll see if i can find that link but it's it's so people are so talented <laughs> it's true <laughs> with the legos and the paintbrush it's a right it's a wild west out there <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh, and then I also learned things that there was a uh, a stencil brush, Ooh. which is basically a baby of a round brush, a flat brush, and a mop brush, like, because it's really big, and it's thick and flat, and it's made just to be used on stencils, and because it's, like, thick and flat... The bristles don't get underneath the stencil. <laughs> and so you don't get caught and lose brushes, which that just made me really happy. Yeah. Stenciling kind of stresses me out for that reason. I just feel like <laughs> if you try to be really detailed and get into all the edges, then you make it worse. And right. I don't do well at games where the harder you try, the worse you do. It's not. Yeah. Because that just gets it's not a good depressing. feedback process for me. <laughs> No, no, it's not. It's really not. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, then we go to the bristles um, and the fact that, like, so watercolor brushes tend to be made of the sable, synthetic sable or nylon. Mm-hmm. Um, oil brushes are sable or bristle, and acrylic brushes are nylon or synthetic. And so... I'm really happy that we don't live in the future yet where podcasts are transcribed and searchable because the last time Anna and I talked about sable brushes on Twitter, we got um, angry vegan spam. Um, Right. (laughs) A little um, sable is not nice bot just kept on tweeting at at, at us, which is a little sad. Um, So beware. If you want to have conversations about sable, you might get some people telling you some stuff you already know. That's pretty much right. that's pretty much the cost of doing business on Twitter. Uh, yeah, the uh, being in the public yeah. uh, for anything. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. But you know what? Uh, we have all of these great uh, ways to do things that don't actually kill the animal. It's true. Um, I mean, that is that is wholly separate from what I actually think about. You know, using animal hair and brushes, which is. selfishly i'm totally down with synthetic brushes just because that's what i prefer so i can be like a happy little synthetic brush user and um (laughs) yeah all all down for uh protect the animals maybe not in twitter bot form you know but like in in human form i'm so happy to have that conversation (laughs) (laughs) no it's so true um and i get it especially like with watercolors um and how they hold water and the paint like the natural hair just is better so like if this is what you do yeah you're gonna get the best tool for the job yeah and i would imagine it's like anything else i mean some people are just strictly vegan and and don't think that animals should be a part of any sort of um products um right I, i i think if that's the case that's 
pretty much has to be coming from some sort of uh, spiritual or abstract ethical place uh, as, as opposed to uh, um, an ethic that's more just rooted in experience and in history where I think it's perfectly possible to have really uh, healthy ecosystems where uh, animals are raised for different products. And yeah, if you are in a place where natural hair brushes are super important for your work, I would be willing to bet that there are people that make a point of, of doing those things responsibly. So you probably have some right. options. Just yeah. some sustainable, yeah, just be aware of where you get your stuff and uh, be prepared to fight with a Twitter bot <laughs> when they decide that Sable is evil. Yeah, which is okay. I didn't know what Sable was six months ago, as some of you would know. So <laughs> you live, yes. you learn. <laughs> right? And then you get loves. Um, but I feel like I am um, totally prepared to pass like a BuzzFeed quiz about paintbrushes now. I feel like right? I would... Dude, I got this. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, speaking of BuzzFeed quizzes, not a quiz, but uh, a great article, uh, it helped me discover what I would like to learn about for next week. Um, so we'll put a link to the show notes to the inspirational link. Uh, so it's an article from BuzzFeed about 15 things about colors and the names of colors. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, that's so cool. I knew that one. Um, but I didn't know about this one. And so it was really awesome. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make Heather go find me some more things. So <laughs> Heather, find out some more information about colors. Cool. All right. So I think we'll do a basic physics lesson about colors color and what color is and then um sliding into oh that made a lot of noise um pigment and like how we create color and yes, how that has exactly. lived among us i think i'll try to i'll try to dig up that pdf that anna had a ways back specifically about poisonous pigment and the like history of yes. poisoning which is surprisingly a, a rich and torrid uh history People getting poisoned by colors. Really. Yeah. <laughs> people just died a lot. There's been a lot of people and most of them have died. And there used to be more things that they died of. <laughs> yeah, you can have that one yes. for free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So color color next week. Um we're all um paintbrush uh masters now, so that's good. Um, yes. So now when you go to Michael's, you won't stare at the wall of brushes and go, uh, uh I guess uh, this yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At least know enough to move in the direction of what you're trying to accomplish. So correct. Um, yep. If you want to check out a couple of the uh, research links that Kathy has, you can find our show notes at artsupplyposse.com slash 37. Um, to get in touch, I am Periard on Twitter and Kathy is Mrs. Soup. Uh, for longer stuff, you can email us both at hello at artsupplyposse.com. Our intro and outro music was created by Bob Atkins of Skylab Letterpress. And this week, co-creator of those fancy new paint swatches from the well-appointed desk. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Night, Posse. Night. Night.